God, how much is a million years? Well, for me, it's just a minute. God, how much is a million dollars? Well, for me, it's just a penny. God, can I have a penny? <laughs> sure, just wait a minute. As we kick off in our church this Multiply initiative, last week was exciting, in fact, watching the response of people here in the church, our church, to the leaders. And again, I'm so thankful uh, that, that, that the church has surrounded me and our leaders with people who are prayer warriors who have been discussing and helping lead Forward Vision for some five years, talking the vision conversation, uh, the, the conversation around the youth facility and the need there we're going to talk more about today, but the executive committee and the time that they've put in for the last few years in this discussion on how do we best steward our facility as, as we talk around a generosity initiative, right, this is God and money. And, and when God and money come together, it's like, really? Like, okay, God, you can, it's all his in the first place, right? As my wife and I started this journey personally uh, at, around this specific opportunity, and, and I, I shared last week, it was something I initially saw as really an obstacle. I, I didn't think, okay, I, did, I don't want to invest in bricks as part of this project. I, I was thinking that. But as God moved my heart to understand the stewardship need and the opportunity to change lives until Jesus comes back, really, we saw it as an opportunity, but, but really, there's a gap in my life so often. There's a gap in my life when I, when I see God moving, being an observer and really even anticipating and the excitement around what he's going to do, anticipation. And then actually participating in what God is doing. And you know, the, the Bible actually talks a whole lot about money. Uh, the passage we're in today actually doesn't. But it relates directly to the hurdle that I was having in my life. And here's what the hurdle was. I care too much. Y'all heard me say this. I idolize my family. And when it comes to my finances, I think for some reason if I don't store up enough at one point I'm not going to provide for my family there's this this weird block for me and so as my wife and I would talk in fact we went through a season of every date was this conversation which is really fun right but actually it was fun we were excited about and genuinely we saw it as an opportunity 
but I realized for me, like I, I, I care a lot. So I'm the, in the mornings at my house, I'm the guy who actually gets to prep the lunch for our youngest daughter. And I get to make breakfast for both girls. I, I think I've also shared like when I pray over the meal with our family, a lot of times I'll pray for fathers in our community who can't feed their family right now. And there's this, the, by the, this is not by the way, the church pays me more than enough. We're fine. I'm not trying to get you to worry about us. We're completely fine, but there's something in my life that thinks at one point, what if their lunchbox is gonna be empty? And I don't, I don't know what this is for you, but when, when, when maybe you observe God working and you're invited in to being part of that, what, what, what is it that keeps you from financially, what, what is it that you're afraid will not be in your lunchbox? For me, I needed to see the, the story we're gonna read today. In fact, if you're reading in our Bible reading plan, you're reading a very similar story because the disciples hadn't yet gotten what Jesus was trying to teach them in the story I'm gonna read to you. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter six. You might be thinking, okay, we just skipped chapter five. Well, chapter five, he continues to do what Jesus has been doing, healing sick, casting out demons, going back and forth across the lake, which is kind of like going back and forth across the tracks in our city. It's like he's, he is inviting to his table people who are sick. And right, we've talked about this already as we're walking through Mark, that Jesus was very clear, I came for the spiritually sick. So, and he's physically healing. Beginning of chapter six, Jesus actually sends out his disciples to multiply. Mark makes a less of a deal of it than some of the other gospel writers, but they come back to him after going out to share the gospel, and we're gonna read about what they say in the beginning of our story today, but something else happens right in between there. John the Baptist is beheaded. Wow. Pick up with me in verse 30 and to stand with me and to honor God's word. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The disciples are coming back after Jesus sent them out. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Someone told me before the service is bad news when the pastor actually brings lunch to his own sermon. <laughs> Jesus has been teaching a while. They're hungry. 
verse 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said, a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided, but as he divides, he multiplies. He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you to your knees if you're able. If not, you can just sit down there. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, to take the penalty we deserve. God, we thank you that you are a substitute, that you've given your life for us. And God, I I confess, and maybe with others here in the room, that when it comes to us responding to you and doing what you invite us to do, like the money is all yours in the first place, but you give us some and you invite us to trust you with it so that we can participate in what you're doing. God, there's hurdles for me and for others here in the room. I don't know what those hurdles are. For me, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's trusting you. Like I want, I, I at times don't, don't see, like God help us see what you wanted your disciples to see. I, I don't know what it is that, that, that you're, you're worried is not gonna be in your lunchbox. But I want to invite you just to confess that to God. When God in the past has invited you to give, or for those of you that are praying already right now over this, what are you worried is not going to be in your lunchbox? Pray for me to, to teach actually what the Bible says and be, that the Spirit would help. Jesus name. Amen. All right. You sit back down. I'm going to on the screens to just try to direct your attention to the text. We're going to pick up in verse 34. Notice when he Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion. If you're doing our Bible reading, you're in chapter eight right now. If you're with us in this morning, we read about the feeding of the 4,000. Same thing happens. Jesus sees a need and he has compassion. Compassion is literally sympathy. It's this feeling of the need, but not just feeling it. It's a feeling of the need in such a way it's going to respond with the deed. Something that was told to me in the past that sounds graphic, but it helped me remember. Literally for them, it was the word meant a, because they thought the emotions were in the bowels, the compassion was not just feeling an emotion, it was the, the feeling of it in such a way that it moved you to do something. So it was literally a bowel movement is what the word means. It's a felt need that's gonna respond with the deed. I don't know what it is in your life that you feel like you need. Jesus knows what you need and he cares 
he has compassion. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Don't forget that. We'll talk about that again later. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. What? Jesus inviting his disciples into the act of giving, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii? By the way, that's, a denarii is like a full day's wage. If the disciples say, if we're gonna go buy food for them, that would be like more than half a year's salary to buy food for them. This is a significant multiply gift, Jesus, you're asking us to give. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. John tells us there was a boy. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed this food, blessing it, and he broke the loaves and he gave it to them. Uh, Oh, there's so much I want to point out here. Uh, But yes, that's also in the feeding of the 4,000. He does this. He takes this bread and he breaks the bread. He gave it to his disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them. He broke the bread, he divided the fish, and through doing that, he's going to multiply it in a supernatural way. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. That word also used in Mark chapter 8 for the feeding of the 4,000. They all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Some people note he says men there and said it could have been as upwards of maybe 15,000 people. What do we learn? Jesus is the need meter. Jesus is the need meter. Now, the disciples don't get what Jesus is trying to teach them, and it's clear if you want to just look with me for fun. The next story is Jesus walks on water. If you pick up in verse 51, he gets into the boat after walking on the water. The wind ceased. They were utterly astonished, for they did not understand about what? The loaves, but their hearts were hardened. What? Mark was still focused on the fishes and loaves even after Jesus walked on the water. Jesus then in chapter 7 continues to heal people, to teach. Chapter 8, he feeds a bunch more people. Why? Well, it wasn't for those people. In fact, in chapter 10 of John, we find out that the 5,000 people, the feeding of the 5,000, the only miracle in all four Gospels, the people that he fed out of the 5,000, they come to him the next day trying to find him, and he said, you're laughing at me for the wrong reasons. 
he feeds the 4,000 and then there's this like comical story in verse 14 of chapter 8. You'll read about it tomorrow in our Bible reading on the next day. Now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They had just asked for a sign. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened, having eyes? Do you not see, having ears? Do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke, now I don't think he was really, I feel like I'm starting to get like super angry. Like Jesus, this is Jesus. He loves his disciples. He wants them to get it. I don't think he's like, he's not like, that's not what he's doing. But he's like, when I broke the loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And, and the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Here's what I think was happening. I think the disciples, Jesus wanted the disciples to know that I am the need meter. Now the disciples know, okay, maybe they're worried about their bread and they know, okay, Jesus, John the Baptist just got beheaded. Did you meet his need? Now, I, what, I, what I'm gonna try to teach you today is not to promise you that, that, hey, if you get invited into the work of God and you take a step, then I can promise you there's gonna be no trouble in your life. That's not what Jesus teaches, okay? Not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does teach when you step in the work of God, there's blessing. But it's a deeper blessing, I think, than the bread that you and I are thinking about. Jesus, he said to those crowds that came to him, you're after something temporary. I want to give you something eternal, is what Jesus said to the crowd. Read about it in John chapter 6 if you want to later. I want to give you something eternal. Don't just come for the temporary. Come for the eternal. Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus, yeah, okay, there is a real kingdom and a real king. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of God. In his love and by his grace, he lived a perfect life, the one that you cannot live. He died in your place for your sin and he rose again on the third day. Repent, believe, follow him and be part of his kingdom now and forever. That's the invitation. Jesus is the need meter. But there's something else in the story that I think relates directly to me taking a step of faith. Jesus meets needs through those who trust and obey him. The disciples, even in their mess, they got to be part. And I feel like what's so clear as you read through these stories that the crowd was not actually who Jesus was trying to teach during these stories. It's the disciples, at least when Peter was telling Mark about it, Peter was saying, I had to learn something. And, and, but, but what happened was, guess what? I saw people were hungry, I saw a need. God used me to see the need. And then God sent me to go, to go try to find something to help meet the need and all I could come up with is five loaves and fish. But, but, but I got to do that because he told me to go and I obeyed him and I went to find the fish and then he said, hey, I'm gonna break this bread and put it in your hand and I want you to go now and feed those 5,000 people. What, what? 
imagine that moment. I don't know how it worked, but could, could the disciple, Jesus breaking the bread, giving it to them and saying, okay, I want you to go. Like this is, this is some poor boy's lunch, five barley loaves, John explains to us. And he takes it and he feeds. What, what, what happened? Because they said, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna obey you, he got to work in and through them and they got to see him do something miraculous in their hands. Isn't that cool? Isn't that really cool? So last week, we invited the church into a time of fasting and I, I care too much about food. I've told you this already, okay? I care too much about food. Uh, so I had started, uh, we, our, my oldest daughter, my wife and I have done kind of a adjusted version of the Daniel fast is kind of what we're working on trying to do together. And so I woke up and I'm making beans and rice, right? And my, my wife wakes up and guess what? She makes really good beans and rice. I know that already. And when she woke up, I started asking her about the seasonings because I know and I trust her and I don't really trust myself that her beans and rice are better than my beans and rice. And so she said, you want me to just make it? And I was like, oh, I can do it. Just tell me what, what I need to do to do it, the right way to do it. Because I know that if I, uh, and she seasoned the beans and rice for me. And it was really good. But I got to be part, because I start. There was another, so yeah, she was also cutting up something and I have this bad habit of just grabbing anything that she's making. Yeah, anybody else have this issue with their spouse? So I reached to grab it and she slaps my hand and she says, damn, no. She says, that's Aggie, which is our dog's heartworm medicine. <laughs> so I almost ate heartworm medicine, but because my wife was making it, I thought it was gonna be great. Okay, what's the point? What's the point? Okay. I, I, I believe, I believe that God wants to do something in and through our church in a significant way right now. And in order for that to happen, there are people like me who sometimes struggle to trust God with what's in my lunchbox that need to trust God and obey him. And here's what we're talking about right now. I'm gonna transition right now into this discussion around multiply. Y'all know that we believe that God is calling us as a church. And when I say we, not just me, we, we believe that God is calling us as a church to be faithful to the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all he's commanded us, and he's gonna be with us, we believe, always as we do that. And we believe right now in a unique way, he wants us to invest in relationships, churches, and environments. Now as we go through this, we're gonna to get to hear from our executive pastor here in a few minutes, a little more details, but I wanna just talk relationships one more time. We believe that God has more for you than just coming and sitting in church. That God wants to work in and through your life and the relationships that he has given you to help other people to live in love like Jesus. That's what we believe. And so we're investing ministry dollars, and our church has done this for 150 years, ministry dollars in our church in you, but also through you, so that through the relationships God has given you, he will make disciples. Here's a picture. This is, 
Anybody know who this is? This is the Taylor family? So th- this, this sweet family has been in our church, but they're not right now, uh, for almost five years. Incredible family. And they, through our church, uh, they, they, they knew Christ before our church, but he is very open about the things that God has done in his life. In the last three or four years, he told me on this, this is a week ago when we're praying, they're now, right now, in Zambia helping lead a, a, a clinic, clinic with Mission Regan, one of our church partners. That as we were on the phone, they shared with me about how his life has been changed. And, and I, after this phone call, I got on the phone with their life group leader, not phone, emailed their life group leaders. I've talked to one of them in person now and said, hey, guess what they talked about? He said, a, a, three years ago, he said, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in the word of God. I'm, I can't get enough right now. Of, of the word of I, I believe God is calling me to bring the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. It, it, he, then I listened to his wife, Carrie, talk about how he right now is pouring into the different people that are at the clinic there that, that are now new on staff. And he, she, she said the words multiple times. He's discipling these guys to follow Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean all of your friends are gonna go to Zambia? No, that's not what that means. But what, what, what it does mean is that someone in our church and our life group leaders in our church that were with them, loved them enough to pour into them and now something's happening on the other side of the world for the glory of God that we may not see until eternity. But there was a ripple effect. That's what this logo is. There was a ripple effect and it's continuing to happen and it's gonna happen to the people that he is pouring into right now. It's gonna happen again and it's gonna happen again and it's gonna happen again. We're praying that God will multiply relationships in our church. We're also playing, praying that God through our church will multiply churches. What does that mean? Multiply churches? Uh, y'all know we're having a good problem right now. I said it different last week. I'll say it this way this week. Last year, we had in our church 2,000, I want to say the number right, 261 guests fill out the guest paperwork. Not just show up in the church. 2,261 guests fill out the paperwork. That's awesome. Uh, Paige, who's over our assimilation, did this little study where she was looking month to month, previous year, this year, whatever, showing that out of that, like twice as many are sticking to our church than in a previous year. That's awesome. God is growing right now. He's doing something in our church. Our goal is not to grow our church here. Our goal is to multiply through our church. Uh, we believe that addition is not bad. That's wonderful to the kingdom of God. But we believe Jesus might come back soon. And multiplication is radically different. That if we can multiply followers of Jesus, we're going to reach the world much faster. So y'all know, a little over a year ago, we got to be part of working with Planting Cadence Church. I shared with you all a story last week of Carlos. I want to share you a story of Braden. Braden's girlfriend's beside him there. His girlfriend kept telling him about this church that she saw on a Facebook ad. Eventually, he decided to go with her to the quote-unquote church at the school, as he calls it. After attending for three weeks, he attended Cadence's first Easter service, which was last year. 
during the message, he said he got a vision of Jesus and he decided to surrender his life to him. He opened his eyes and he knew he needed, needed to take his next step of faith. He was baptized two weeks later, which was also baptism Sunday for us here. He was baptized at Cadence Church there. Now they are members, they're serving with Cadence Kids and he is on the creative team and they're both involved in a small group. That's cool. Why do I bring that up? Because if you are investing in our church, you're part of that. And you're not seeing him at church. But there were people from our church that left when we brought them on stage and we said, we want you to pray over going. And we sent them and we're sending finances to a church in our city. Why would we do that? Church plants in the United States, 42% of those that attend church plants are previously unchurched. And we want to reach the world for Jesus. Amen. We're starting churches. We also, we also want to invest in an environment right now that's on life support in our church. Related note, one of the churches we got to be part of recently, y'all know, uh, we, we, some of y'all went because we sent mission trips up to, to Colorado. I got to go preach up there and he preached here. Chris Phillips, y'all remember him with Journey Point Church, Colorado. They were recently given another campus. This church now already has two campuses. And they right now, we were on the phone, are having a very similar conversation that we're having to have with a facility that is giving away. So our youth building right now, y'all heard a youth story a minute ago. Our youth building right now is on life support. It really is. We have a chiller that has a 15-year life expectancy that is 29 years old that cools not just the facility there, but other stuff, children's building is included of it, big part of our campus. That, that chiller itself is $5.5 million. Okay, w when it goes out, bad news. Y'all heard me say last week, our church was the first church in McKinney to air condition, and I've heard many Catholics became Baptists that Sunday, right? <laughs> it's a big deal, right? So a few years ago, as our executive committee started looking at what do we do about really positioning our church moving forward, we also looked at the rock, the roof's leaking, the walls are rotting, literally. There's plumbing issues in the slab. We did a commissioned, I say we, they, there was a subcommittee out of the rock that commissioned a feasibility study on the rock that came back and said, it is not wise stewardship for us to keep spending money there. What does that mean? Last week, much smaller example of this, on Thursday, my wife came to me and said, hey Sam, the heater's not blowing anymore upstairs. We called a company, they came out, and they said, hey, you need a new blower in your heater unit. The, what do they call a heater unit? It's not a heater unit, the furnace. They said it's gonna be three quarters of the cost of a new furnace. Your furnace is only supposed to last a few more years. It's not under warranty anymore. I would just put a new furnace in. Now, I don't like spending money. Do you know what I did? I called two more companies to come out. I did. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Every one of them and other people that I talked to, because I'm slow at this, said it would be a poor financial investment for you to put a, a new, do you understand? So this is that on a larger scale. That, so in order for that to happen, in order for that to happen, we have to, not have to, we get to. You and I get invited in right now 
into not just observing the work of God, but participating in it. We, we get to be invited into, this is just a rendering, a, a building that until Jesus comes back, Lord willing, will launch disciple makers out for the kingdom of God. And so, so here's, here's what I'm gonna talk to you about for just a second. Jesus meet needs through those who trust and obey him. We believe in this room there are people that are gonna take that step to trust and obey him. Giving journey. I don't know where you are on this chart, but I wanna invite you into taking a step. First time, some of you in the room have never given a gift to the Lord and through this process you're gonna do that. I remember growing up, my parents were giving me a $7 allowance and sitting down and having the conversation with them about, hey Sam, we want you to take first 70 cents of this $7 allowance and give it to, and I remember that, for, some of you remember that first, first gift you ever made to the God. And we believe through this process there are gonna be people here in the room. This is so important. This is why we're inviting our life groups right now to have a conversation around generosity in their life groups. Why? It's not primarily because of money, genuinely. If this project ends and the money's not in the bank, but there are people closer to Jesus because they've learned to honor God with their finances, that's a win. If it ends and the money's in the bank and we're not closer to Jesus, that's a loss. We, we want to disciple our, so some of you are gonna take a first time gift, consistent giving. For me in college, I was waiting tables and waiting tables is like this with income. And so I, I was struggling to figure out how to tithe, but it was for the first time for me, really consistent giving. There'd be times where I'd leave my checkbook at home and be like, ah, I need to, whatever. And it was a little awkward. And then when I started at camp, I, I started at, when I was at camp for the first time, really giving the tithe consistently intentionally taking out that first 10 percent. you know what the bible teaches around that some of you say well new testament doesn't teach the tithe i actually think jesus affirms it at one point if you don't think it teaches the tithe just start at 12 percent. that's fine okay but uh, intention <laughs> rebecca and i when we were going through counseling to get married there was a man that spoke into our life and this by the way is not a a, a card to give to everybody and i recognize this but we wanted to be more of givers than we were uh, and he said, hey, why don't you just do this? Start at your 10% and add a percentage every year. It's, th that means when you're 40 years married, 50%. And I'm so thankful that he pushed us to be intentional about giving in a way that was sacrificial, really, and moving us forward. What is that gonna look like? Some of you are gonna, gonna do that through this process. Some of you are gonna give an extravagant gift. Uh, some of you, in fact, many of you already have. Y'all know that as we've been talking about this as a church, the executive committee, 100% of them are already in. We had conversations with 35 households this last fall who gave significant gifts. The ball's already rolling. But this is an opportunity you and I have to step in and watch God radically do something for his glory and us get to be part of it. That is awesome. He wants that for you. He's inviting us into it. Here's a, an email I received, uh, a text message actually I received a few weeks ago. Hey Sam, I want to share with you, this is not one of the couples from the fall, this is different. I want to share something with you that I pray encourages you as it did me. My wife and I, he uses her name but I'm not going to right now, have been praying about what God wants to give to FBC over the next couple of years. Presently we give our tithe, we felt that God wants us to give an additional, and then he lists this significant gift. I'm like, whoa, praise Jesus. 
a year for the next two years, which will help us with this Multiply Project, the building costs. My wife and I also support eight missionaries on top of that. We recognize many of you are doing that. We have no idea where we would get this money, but we have always believed that if something is God's will, it is God's bill. That's an interesting line. So by faith, we trusted that God would provide the additional income. This morning, I received a call. By the way, God doesn't always work this way, but it's amazing how many times he does. This morning, I received a call from board telling, our board telling me that they were giving us a bonus for this year. Guess what? It is going to cover the commitment that we have made for the Lord. I think that often we believe that if we get an increase in pay or a bonus, that bonus for us it's obvious my wife and I that God gave it to us so that he, we could give it. I know it is no better place to invest that money than in our own church. We're so grateful for you. By the way, I wanna work for his company because that was a significant bonus, but that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, now there, there are gonna be people in the room. Now y'all know that it doesn't always mean big dollars. Y'all know that one of the heroes in giving in Mark is the widow who gave two. But for some of you in the room, he's gonna call you to give a significant gift and that's gonna impact the way that you follow Christ. And we wanna invite you and challenge you into it. And then finally, this legacy. At, when I was at camp, uh, when I started at camp, uh, this is not complaining. We, they, they, they had, we, we had camp housing and they would feed us on the weekends and I would save leftovers the rest of the week. But we were on a $13,000 a year income initially when I was there. And I had a friend who was there who was just a couple of years older than me. And we were having a conversation at one point around giving. And he said to me, he said, Sam, one of the goals in my life is when I die to have invested a million dollars in the kingdom of God. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, we make 13,000 a year. You're not gonna make that much in your life. How are you gonna invest? the joy in watching what God has done through his life. And some of you in the room are gonna make an investment in the kingdom as transformative, and I'm so excited at what that's gonna be for you. I believe, I believe, I don't know where you are on this, but, but as you're praying and obeying what we're challenging you to do, I wanna invite you to take a step forward. I want to, Jesus is the need meter. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11, he who supplies seed for the sower last week, and bread for food this week will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Jesus meets needs through those who trust and obey him. Y'all know there was a boy, John tells us. There was a boy whose mom packed him a lunch. By the way, uh, Ashley Kennedy made this lunchbox. It's got on one side, David and Goliath. On the other side, Daniel and the lion's den. Maybe his lunchbox looked like that. <laughs> Pack, packed him a lunch and he shows up and when it's time to eat, when, when, when he could just say, okay, I'm hungry and eat. God said, hey, I want, he gave it to one of Jesus' disciples and his food left him, right? And guess what? God did something crazy through that gift. A gift that we're still talking about today. And I believe he wants to, are you ready to trust him? Watch this. When, when I think about the, the Multiply Project and being generous here, that's above and beyond what we're already giving. Right. It's not like what we're gonna take what we've been giving and divert some of those funds mm -hmm. to the Multiply Project. 
And as we thought through this and we talked about it and we prayed about it, we, we felt like we were really being challenged by the Lord to, to have, to put more trust in Him, to have greater faith and to say, um, we don't understand how we're going to give what we're feeling led to, to say we will, we will support the Multiply Project this way. But we felt like God was saying, trust me, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to provide. Am I going to be doing a step that I don't see where I'm going to land? Or do I do this looking at what, what I can see right now and then, okay, since I, I can't see this, I'm going to commit to that. Or, or should I just step in faith like I don't see where I'm going to land? Uh, but it, regardless, I, I believe God is moving us f towards this, right? I think the biggest challenge that I have is how far am I going to commit to, to the multiply? When you commit to giving something beyond what's already the, the tithe or the gift that you give the church today, um, it'll stretch you. And we sought for clarity on what that gift should be. We prayed about it, we talked about it, we met with church leaders about you know the project and what was going on. And, um, the Lord made it really clear to me and then to Lori um, what our gift should be and where it was going to come from and how we were going to do it and over what time frame we should give. And, and it became like a light switch. Like it was, okay, here this is going on and now we know and this is the number and this is the answer and this is the commitment. There is such intentionality around helping these students to, to love God to learn about him and to and to love others and so when I think about the multiply project um, I think it's such a neat opportunity for mission work in McKinney and um, so I had a heart shift in that I had a heart shift from thinking about this as a building made out of bricks versus hey this is an opportunity where teenagers who are um, living very difficult lives right now to come and feel safe and loved and accepted but also to hear the truth and to hear the gospel every time they enter this building. All God does is surprise us with, with His generosity and takes care of us. Um, when we moved here, uh, we didn't make enough money to live on when we first moved here. Jill had lost her job as a teacher because she moved up here and didn't have one to start. and. They were, uh, they didn't pay a young youth minister much money and we couldn't buy a house. We didn't know what we were gonna do. And all, all God did was just prove to us over and over that he's got this. Um, and so, I mean, we'd finish the end of the month and we'd have more, more in our bank account than we had when we were living before when we had two jobs. So I don't understand it. All I know is obstacles that we've had is we didn't think we could make it. We didn't think we could, um, you know, put the kids through college. And all God's done is is take care of us. And by obstacles are how are we going to do it? And I'm not st stupidly trusting, but I trust God to say, hey, he's going to take care of it. And and he's done nothing but but take care of us. Is this exciting or is it just me or is this like super exciting? 
I'm, I, I hope that you as a member of our church, or even if you're visiting with us, and you're thinking about maybe joining with us as a I hope you're like, okay, this is kind of cool. Uh, God's doing really cool things. And so, as you know, our mission statement is that we're gonna make disciples who live and love like Jesus. That's the mission. That's what we're about. That's what this whole thing is about. Um, whether it's the ongoing making of disciples that we do week in, week out through relationships, whether it's making new disciples through our missions and church planting, um, or it's addressing a, an environment issue where we can make disciples. That's what the whole thing is about. It's exciting. And because we have this one mission that we're about, we're going to go about this uh, with, with what's called a one-fund approach. Now you say, what does that mean? I'm going to show you here in a second kind of the commitment card. I think the concept will make sense. But the idea is we have one mission, and so we have this one fund to go towards this one mission. Uh, there's a little nuance there I'll explain in a second. Um, I did want to put up something uh, last week. Uh, the, some of the feedback we got was, hey, you didn't tell us how much this thing's going to cost. <laughs> and it's not because we didn't know. It's because we felt strongly that the idea is let's talk about what the Lord wants to do. Let's not focus necessarily on bricks or even on dollar amounts because that's not the end all game. Sam's already said that, but I have a, my, actually my undergraduate's in accounting, so if I was you, I'd have been sitting there going, so how much is the thing gonna cost? So, uh, now these are over two years, so stay with me on this. This is over two years. Uh, the relationships, that's the ongoing ministry that we already do, right? That's the, the ongoing discipleship stuff. You might even say this is kind of our budget. So that you see that's over two years. The next one would be missions and planting churches. Again, this is actually elevating the amount of money and resources we want to put towards that aspect of this mission. And then the environments, turns out, I don't know if you know this, it costs a lot to build stuff. This just in. Uh, and so we would not actually pay that, that amount of money in two years, but that's, that's probably how much that piece uh, would cost. So hopefully that answers some questions for you. Uh, I would point out, if you, this is your first Sunday to be hearing all about this, we don't have time to go through every little detail. I highly, highly encourage you to go out to one of the, the information hubs out there, pick up this piece right here and read through it. This will probably answer about 80 to 90% of the questions you may have. So let's talk about this just for a second. Uh, when you leave today, we're going to give you a commitment card. Now, we are not going to come together as a church to make our pledge to the Lord until February 26th, so that's uh, three weeks from today. But we want you to go ahead and have the card so that you can, have, you can be praying over it. So let's look at this card real quickly. When it comes on the 26th and we go to fill it out, yeah, you can see it on the screen there. This top box is basically what would I normally be giving to the Lord this year? So I'm gonna just throw it out there. Let's, we're gonna use easy math, right? Let's say that we give 100 bucks a month. So I would come in here and I would write 1,200. Bam. This next box is my expanded generosity towards multiply. This is the real step of faith stuff. And so let's say, you know, you're praying and the Lord says, hey, I, I really want you to step out there and, and double that, what you normally give. So you're gonna give another 100 bucks a month so how much would that be in the year? 1,200. So you add that up, 2,400. Easy. This is like math class. Now, we're saying that this, this, this emphasis is going to be two years. So it's going to start basically April of this year and it'll end at the end of March of 2025. So that's two years. So we're just going to double this number. So there's 4,800. Now, this final box 
is just there might be other resources that God has, uh, what we would call stored resources. Maybe it's stocks or, I don't know, it could be a thousand things. That Maybe there's some other resource that God's given you that you can give towards this mission. So uh, that could be, um, you know, maybe you have a, a I don't know, <laughs> maybe you have a boat and you're tired of that boat because it's such a pain in the butt to keep up with. So you're gonna, you're like, I wanna get rid of this boat. So I'm gonna sell the boat and I'm gonna give that towards Multiply. Maybe it's something like, uh, I don't know, maybe you have a set of golf clubs and you're like, you know what, I stink at golf, I don't even like playing anymore. I'm gonna sell these golf clubs. You know, a real legitimate one coming up is a lot of people right now are doing their tax returns, right? And so maybe you say, hey, you know what? I feel like the Lord wants me to be faithful in my normal giving. I think he wants to expand and grow my generosity towards him. Uh, and I'm gonna just decide that whatever my tax return is, whatever it is, I'm just gonna give that to the Lord. So I'm just gonna throw, I'm just, again, we're playing with easy numbers. So I'm gonna put a thousand in there. So you would add that up, add those two together, and there you go. There, that would be what we would say your one fund commitment. So when we do the card there. Now, why this approach? The traditional church, can, if you've ever been in a church where they've done anything like this, this is the number usually that you only talk about. They usually just come and say, hey, we've got this building. Can you give some extra money towards this building? There's nothing wrong with that, inherently wrong with that. That's fine. We could have done that. But our heart is not about, hey, could you just give some money for a building? Our heart is what he said. We desperately, desperately want you to have a personal encounter with God regarding the generosity towards the things of God. That's the big goal. You say, is there a numeric goal? Yeah, there's some numbers on a piece of paper, but honestly, the goal that we talk about on staff is 100. You say, what do you mean? 100% engagement. The win for us is for every one of us, every one of us to just go talk to God and say, hey, God, test me and, and try me and see if there's anything in me about that I, there's some, maybe I have an idol in my life. You know, what he was, what Sam was talking about before, if we're real honest, we're in North Texas, if we're just super honest, we have this idol called security through money. It's really not actually money. It's the security that we think we have through money. Can I get an amen? Okay. Wow, you guys are very vulnerable this morning. I like you. I know it's in my life. It's exactly what he was saying. I, I'm, I'm scared that there's not gonna be enough stuff in the lunchbox. We are, we, how great would it be if every person in this church went to the Lord and said, I wanna trust you, tell me what to do and I'll obey you. And three years from now, five years, long after we cut the ribbon on the building, we have testimony after testimony after testimony as people say, I know God better. I know God is faithful, I know it. Because there was a two year period where I really stepped out. I had no idea. I mean, I did spreadsheets and everything. It didn't make any sense, but God did something in my life. I know God, but I know God's faithfulness better. This would be a huge win for our church. This is what we really long for the most. Honestly, this issue is not really a financial one. This whole thing is not a financial issue. The amount of wealth <laughs> that God has blessed us with, if everybody in this church just prays listens to the Lord and does what he says, this will be a no-brainer if we do that. But the key is not money, the key is what? Your heart, our, our level of obedience. So, 
what are we asking of you as a church member, as a member of, the, of First McKinney? What, what are you asking of us? We're asking that you just enjoy the moment. This is an awesome time. He already talked about it. I mean, God is bringing us people. We're making disciples. Uh, I mean, it, this is so <laughs> exciting that God's calling us into this. So just enjoy the moment. Uh, if you want one of these fancy shirts, we have them out in the, in the, in the two information hubs. Uh, again, I strongly recommend you grab one of these and read it so that that'll help answer a lot of the questions you may have. You can obviously go online, First McKinney slash multiply, read more about that. If you're sitting here today and say, well, I still have some questions, totally fine. You can text 96123 and just write questions. It'll give you a prompt. You can put your question in there. Uh, Sam, is, as you know, is, does a weekly podcast. He's answering several of those questions each week on the podcast. Another opportunity to have questions answered is actually today, right after the second service, you know, right, you know, 1210-ish, let's say, uh, we're gonna go to the theater and we're gonna answer several of the, for about 20 minutes, we're just gonna answer several of the questions we've already received. That'll probably answer 80 to 90% of the questions you might have. And then we'll have an opportunity maybe at the end to answer any more questions you might have. We wanna be obviously super transparent, make sure that you understand everything, the thought process behind this, the thought process that a group of very uh, wise people have come together on uh, to, to help us chart a path. So enjoy the moment. The next thing is just pray and obey. And I mentioned this a second ago. Um, we're, we're desperate for you to pray and obey. That's what we need. We're not desperate for money. We're desperate for you to pray and obey. And if you pray, I believe God's gonna share with you because that's, that's the story for me. I, I prayed about this and God continued just to give me the same number every time. It became clear. Okay, well, there you go. Just obey that, just do it. Um, and can, I, can I make one suggestion since I love you? We're all family here. Um, a guy like myself, and maybe I think Sam, maybe it's the same way. Uh, there's a tendency to say, okay, I, I think the, the church is asking this of me. I will go now to my uh, financial information and I will look at it first to see what I can do and then I will pray. What's the problem with that? <laughs> this is what I think and I will decide a number and then I will go to God and I'll pray and I'll say, God, I'm gonna do that. You're good with that, right? Okay, good, amen. That, can I just beg of you? I'm not saying don't look at your finances. I'm just saying get the order right. Ask God first. God, you tell me, I'll obey what you say and then look at your finances. So, uh, pray and obey, that's basically it. We are already in a fast time of fasting. We, it started Wednesday. If you didn't hear about that or you're just finding out about that right now, great. Jump in with us. We're gonna fast until February 22nd, which is, our, is Ash Wednesday. We'll have our worship service. Uh, that's a good thing to do. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. Uh, another thing you could do is grab one of these little things. They're called a cling. They're not a sticker. A sticker would apply. You stick it on there. It's real hard to get off. This is a cling. It just clings to it. You just pull it right back off. I have mine up on my bathroom mirror just to remind me to be in prayer about this, to follow the Lord. And then again, there's all kinds of information you can get on the website. We're gonna finish today because... This whole mission we're on is because we think that God is awesome. We want the world to know our God is awesome. So that's why we're doing this. So how are we gonna finish today? We're gonna worship, are you good with that? Uh, yes. Uh oh, he was waving me off. <laughs> Do you wanna worship? Uh oh, here we go, come on. 
they thought I w we were running a little long for it, but we're, I think God's awesome and worthy of worship. So let's do some worship. And then Sam will come and bless us as, as we leave. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.